hosting for Two Blokes Talking Tech. Proudly provided by Web Central. Two blokes talking tech. I just think technology is awesome. Good advice for anyone who is looking for a laptop. For the latest news and information about technology. Now that, that's the guy. <laughs> it's so hard to take a bad photo now with these cameras. I really? think that stuff is just brilliant. It is something that people really need to look at. Two blokes talking tech. Haven't we got the best jobs in the world? We have. We absolutely <laughs> have the best job. With Trevor Long from yourtechlife.com. I love talking technology. And Stephen Fennick from techguide.com.au. Do you really need a 10 megapixel camera to take those images? I'd say not. Two blokes talking tech. Embrace those little ideas there. Have a look around and, and ask questions. This is Two Blokes Talking Tech. Two Blokes Talking Tech. Trevor Long, yourtechlife.com. This is episode 45. And joining me once again each and every week, Stephen Finnick from techguide.com.au. G'day, mate. Hello, Trevor. Great to be here with you. And our final episode in Australia for uh, this week. <laughs> we'll be yes. in. Uh, we'll be together in the United States next week. Two Blokes Talking CES. As often as we can, we'll bring you all the latest from CES here on Two Blokes Talking Tech, as well as, of course, uh, Stephen's website, techguide.com.au. And it's all thanks to the good people at Trend Micro and Netgear. We'll tell you more about them as the show rolls on. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Now, I think we should explain, Trevor, that we're going to sort of look into the it's two blokes gazing into the crystal ball episode today where we're going to look forward at what we think is going to be the big the big uh, tech products and uh, trends of the year. But hmm. uh, I we, thought we, we looked backwards last week. We look, look a little bit backwards last week. But uh, as we do each and every week, we'll uh, we'll kick off with a bit of the news of the week. Absolutely right. And we'll start off with a, a product that I reviewed uh, earlier this week, the Samsung Series 7 Slate PC. Now, what? the best way to explain this to people is that uh, people are tossing up nowadays, do I buy a laptop, do I buy a tablet? Will a tablet suit all my needs? Is this enough laptop for me? The Slate PC, what I like about it is it kind of provides both solutions. It's, it's a tablet and it can also be converted and used as a, as a laptop. Hmm. So uh, I, I checked it out earlier this week on Tech TechGuide. Um, uh, I found that the tablet running Windows 7, there aren't many Windows 7 tablets out there. No. This is quite powerful. It, it, it's pretty respectable specs on it. It's got uh, you know a, a nice 11.6-inch screen. Uh, it's, it's, it's a decent size. It, it's, it's a big enough screen to, to view your, your work on. 1.6 gigahertz processor, 4 gig of RAM. And it's also got what I really enjoyed too using it with. It's got another layer that Samsung's put over the top, a nice user interface to make it more tablet-like. It's very Android-like uh, interface. Plus, there's the dock and a Bluetooth keyboard. So yeah, a solution that sort of can, for the sort of that brings the best of both worlds: tablet and a laptop. And what sort of price we're looking at? Well, it, it's actually that's one of the things I criticise. It's, it's not cheap. It's sixteen hundred and ninety nine dollars, so nearly seventeen hundred bucks. So, what on earth would you pay that it, for? It, it is expensive, but I think you probably get a better recommend. That's recommended retail. You probably do a better price than that. But I think you need to have obviously, if working in the Windows space is very important, uh, this tablet it will allow you to do that on the go. The keyboard as well offers that that that. Uh, flexibility to be able to use the keyboard for those longer documents, editing documents on the fly. Whether it's worth $1,700 to have that flexibility, you could probably buy a very high-powered laptop for much cheaper than that, a tablet as well. Uh, I think that price is going to come down, like I said, recommended retail. We should point out, though, that, that this was a product that was reviewed by uh, John Davidson at the uh, Financial Review. Hmm. And controversially, he he really he he gave it a, a, a pretty much a panning because there was a setting on the device hmm. that uh, when he was typing, it would cut off letters as he was typing. Um, 
they did recall some review units and they did have to adjust a setting, a power saving setting on the device, right. and that then got rid of that that feature. But uh, his was a pre release version, as were the review units. But uh, I never found that problem in my review. I, it was very, what I really liked about it was the ability to write on the screen. Like the accuracy of writing on the screen was incredible. It is it, true. It, it got that's... one word wrong out of about 300. It was amazing. Oh, I, I do think that's the one thing that Apple haven't nailed yet um, is the is the responsiveness of a screen with regards just writing it's very interesting that that you know my son has a little um, stylus for the iPad um, does a lot of drawing you get a very um, vector based uh, curves whereas even on the Galaxy Note um, and some of the Galaxy devices you get a I don't know why but they, there's just a better you know scribble yeah. essentially I think, and I think Apple's pretty much anti stylus they don't want this extra thing they, they they I think Steve Jobs famously said when he when he released the iPhone back in 2007 you know the best stylus is the one we were born with we've got 10 of them they're yeah. in our fingers but, so uh, he he's very I think Apple as a company is very much anti stylus hmm. but in this case I think if if you really do need to sort of have even if you draw or designing mm. or even just taking notes in a meeting it, it was incredibly easy and, and impressed me with the way it could recognize I was even doing running writing I'm a very untidy writer it was even understanding my running writing so that was pretty impressive alright but $1700 is probably the barrier but um, so be it that's the Samsung Series 7 slate you can read all about it at techguide.com.au Now I I'm not a reader as we've said many times, but uh, but you are, and and you've I you've had a, you love your Kindle. I I was staggered to read the story on your website recently that said that one million Kindles per week were sold in the month of December. That's that's staggering. It was a very happy Christmas for Amazon, as I wrote in my story. In fact, I I was I, I bought two of them in the Christmas break. One for my wife, and I bought the latest uh, Touch Kindle Touch three yes. G for myself. So I, I gave the the the, the, the not. The, the, the least uh, impressive one to my wife, and mm. I kept the best one though. <laughs> but she she's enjoying it though. But anyway, it was it's it's really so it goes to show that it's the e-reader thing. It's become a more common device. Yep. I think it was it was interesting to note too that uh, it was obviously Kindles were obviously given as Christmas gifts because apparently Christmas Day was the biggest ever day of Kindle book downloads since the Kindle was introduced. Wow. So it's it's obvious that the, there were plenty of these under the Christmas tree. Another thing to note, too, is the Kindle Fire, which is the colour version. Which isn't available Kindle, in Australia. Not yet available in Australia. It will be in the coming months. But it was the number one selling product of Amazon across all categories. Mm. And there were even reports I read online to, uh, this week that said that it might have taken a little bit of the edge off the iPad, being only $199. US. Oh yeah. Uh, it, 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 they're, they're saying a lot of analysts are saying that it, it took the edge off some of the iPad sales over Christmas. And and you know we discuss this every time a tablet is launched. And Matt, it's, these companies know what a lost leader is. It's very simple: create a lost leader and take the edge off the iPad. Sony, Lenovo, whoever the heck you want to be. Bring out an Android 4.0 nice stylish tablet for $299 or maybe $350 and you will you will really take the edge off the Apple iPad. Well, th- this, just to bring up another point on the pricing, um, there was a story this week about the Sony Tablet S. Yeah. It was reduced, drastically reduced in the US. In the US, but not here. But- 
That, that, exactly. So it, it's it's automatically creating this sort of ill feeling towards the company where, you know, if it's not good enough for us, but try, like you said, exactly, you hit the nail on the head, trying to match iPad dollar for dollar, you, 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 I think you're, you're in for a tough, tough ride. Hmm. But um, the thing with Amazon and the iPad, you, you look at what they've got in common. They've both got great content. iTunes on one side with the iPad, the Amazon store for the Kindle Fire. Yeah, yeah. What's everyone else got? Nothing. It's it's going to be uh, this, this big battle that, that, that I think, and the and the Kindle Fire, no wonder, has sold sold uh, really well over the Christmas yeah. period, and will continue to sell well through to 2012. Mate, well, I can't wait to get my hands on one when they come out here to Australia. So it's going to be interesting to see how that one pans I out. I agree, and uh, and we'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll both look forward to that. Um, you know, it's an interesting space, the tablet space, and it will continue to be interesting for 2012, and we'll keep looking at 2012 straight after this. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen And we do it all thanks to the good people at Trend Micro and Netgear. Netgear Connecting with Innovation. They uh, provide routers, modems, networking in your home or your business. And the thing here is if you've got an- enough devices in your home to warrant a, a, a good router networking solution, you need to make sure you get the best. And enough devices means more than one. If you've got a laptop and it's on the internet, that's fine. But when you bring a mobile phone or a tablet or more laptops into your home, that's when you need to start thinking about making sure you've got the right connectivity in your home. And remember, you can save by not using your 3G, your Telstra, your Vodafone, your Optus data at home by connecting to a Wi-Fi network at home and using your home internet. That's what it's for. So if you need an internet networking product, netgear.com.au, routers, modems, whatever it is, Wi-Fi range extenders, connect to devices that weren't meant to be on Wi-Fi and make them Wi-Fi, netgear.com.au. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long. So, mate, uh, you did a very nice post during the week uh, at uh, techguide.com today looking at 2012, and I thought uh, definitely we should have a talk about all those things here here today on Two Blokes Talking Tech. And the first one I think that's really interesting is 4G. Um, you know, we know Telstra have got 4G capability now in their network in, in some metro and, and large regional areas, and they've got their 4G broadband dongles, which I, I think are just amazing. You know, you do get some stunning Great. speeds. I think the best speed you get is at the airport. I don't know why. Mate, but- I got at the, at Martin Place, I got 53.3 megabits per second download. Ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Uh, I but- said at the time, I, I posted, I took a screenshot and posted that picture on Facebook and said that these things should be sold with airbags. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just think so. It's great to have that, but I think what people need to see is how that how four G becomes part of their their broader life. And um, the thing we're missing are uh, handsets. Now Telstra yep. have already announced they will they are bringing the the first four G handset out. They've gone to tender and all that kind of stuff. But the question is, uh, it's an interesting one. How do you sell four G to the consumer? Because most people, I, I really believe, don't even understand the difference between 2G and 3G in terms of speed. So will they notice it? Will they know they want it enough? Apart from the fanboys and the, and the tech geeks and all those kind of people, will the average Joe really want and need 4G? I think they will because it's the, it's going to be ridden on the smartphone wave. I think, obviously, the device mm. has to be there first. So I think 2012, we're going to see a lot of 4G devices. HTC have already announced something for Telstra. Yeah, I, I reckon it's a good bet that the iPhone 5, when it comes out, will be a 4G-compatible device. All the majors are going to line up, Samsung, Motorola, Sony Ericsson, they're all preparing. Now, 
they will notice for, for people who are using these types of devices now they're using it to surf the web they're mm. viewing YouTube they're using it for all these things anything that they can make that experience faster people are going to know they're going to want it uh, Telstra have got a head start here I think one thing that's going to happen though as, as you know you buy a smartphone plan you got you got talk you got text and you got data I think the data component of, of plan of smartphone plans on 4G is going to explode mm. I think you're going to be seeing offerings of 4 gig 6 yep. gig 8 yep. gig plans on 4G that, that's I think that's going to be the immediate effect of you know you got this speed let's use it and I think the one thing that I if we want to say predict will happen over the next 12 months is you'll see telcos offering especially Telstra offering 4G with a good data allowance and, and basically educating people that your device is now the center of your internet when you're on the go. Because if you pick up an iPhone, uh, a, a, a good Android phone, they can share that internet. They can share that allowance with yeah. other devices, which means... Tethering's going to be killer. Tethering for your computer on the go. Tethering for your tablet on the go. Because think about this. Telstra would definitely be seeing customers of Telstra with mobile phones using Vodafone or Optus for their iPads. And they'd be going... Why? We don't need you to use them. Don't give them money. Give it to us. And, you know, for an extra five bucks a month, we'll give you an extra gig and you won't need that other device. You won't need that other um, SIM card. So I think what they'll try and do is consolidate the, the number of plans and payments people are making by, by upping the, their, their base spend on their mobile phone to get people using it more. Absolutely, I think you know, the 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 thing though we need to remember is is how quickly the 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 4G network can be rolled out. At the moment, yeah. it's only within like five k radius of capital cities, eighty or so regional centres around Australia. That's just on Telstra side. I was actually chatting to some people at Vodafone earlier this week when That's I, I attended one. the first day of the cricket test. Thanks to my good friends at Vodafone, I was their guest at the cricket, and I was having a chat about their plans for the year and how they've upgraded it to their 850 network. Yep. They're getting that right. Then they're going to look. Then they're going look at 4G but their their message again was look it's really up to the handset manufacturers and you'll find that the operators will move once they see all these handsets on the horizon 4G is going to spread very quickly. Just quickly that is the point I was going to make too about Vodafone it's this this upgrade you see them promoting and talking about and putting on their website and all the ads this is not just about putting the, 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 their 850 network out there and that kind of stuff this is about um, this is about actually making the capacity ready, making the towers ready for 4G. I essentially believe that all they need to do is flick a switch and 4G Absolutely is on right. and all That's those exactly new towers. That's exactly what I was told, actually, Trevor. You're exactly right. They said they've got all the 4G infrastructure in place. So what they need to do is just very minor upgrades and to yep. flick a switch and they're on 4G. So, yeah, you've hit the nail on the head there. 4G is uh, the future in 2012. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. With Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Now, one of the things that we've seen already been announced uh, ahead of CES is LG. Now, they've been quite busy before uh, ahead of CES with mm. uh, a few announcements. Uh, the latest one is the, the decision for them to release an ultra-definition television. Now, we've heard of high-definition. We've heard of full high-definition. Now, we've got to get ready for ultra-definition, which is essentially oh a TV that has four times the resolution of a full HD TV. Now, that's a lot of pixels. Mm. For, for a TV. Obviously, the TV that they're going to have on display is an 84-inch monster. But one thing they're going to offer, though, with this TV, and this was a very controversial topic this year, was their Cinema 3D. 
Mm. Now, they, they, remember how they, we were at that launch together? Yep. They, they offered the passive glass experience, yep. Yep. and they insisted that it was full high definition. Technically, it was, but what it was doing was providing 540 lines for each eye, mm. which adds up to a grand total of 1080 in, in total, mm-hmm. which they technically could call that full HD. Now, with these ultra-definition TVs, they're going to still offer that passive glass 3D experience. And when that resolution is halved because of the very nature of the passive glasses, Mm. that will then offer true 1080 viewing with the passive glasses. Look, I am all in favour of good-looking television, but fair dinkum, 4K, this is... I mean, it's just absurd. I mean, I know we're going to get it and we can't stand in the way of it, but people are whinging enough now about the cricket not being in HD, and I shouldn't even get you started on that. But <laughs> oh, the, please don't. You know, content is king here. I, I saw a tweet from a guy today who, who bought the, the Senna Blu-ray, Senna movie on Blu-ray. Yep. What the hell's the point of having a Senna movie on Blu-ray? <laughs> almost 90% <laughs> of that 80s. is... Yeah, almost 90% of the content isn't oh. even DVD quality. You wow. know, the, the, the problem is content, and, and I, I just... I'm not 100% sure that enough people buy movies and things and I, I don't know I think there's a, there's a long way to go but this is just the next big wank basically have yeah, people with 80 inch <laughs> bloody TVs on the wall it is, a, it is a bit of a shot across the bow to you know Samsung and all the oh, other yeah. manufacturers but I think though that their their goal here is obviously there's no movies available in 4K format and there won't be for any time soon mm. but I think what they're looking here to do is to really bring the 3D cinema really stick with the passive glass mm. experience cinema 3D system and this will allow them to do it. it it'll it'll you'll be able to watch full HD 3D with passive glasses using these ultra definition TVs that are going to also be ultra expensive I've got a feeling as well and look just quickly on LG before we move on um, the thing about this is too this is all about posturing because you you know that that we all know that Samsung smashed it in terms of LED. They, they just won that race. They won the race to LED, and I think they won the race to 3D as well, probably neck and neck with, with Sony. LG have been left behind a lot in the advances, and it's not really, it's not like it's affecting sales broadly. I, but think, it's just, I think you meant to say at the top of that one, uh, Samsung led the way with LED. You said LG. Is that what you Sorry, meant? Sorry, Samsung. Yes, Samsung yes. led the way with LED, and then they led the way with 3D with Sony. But LG have kind of always been in the background. So, yeah, yeah I, th- I think this is their way of saying, hang on, we're doing OLED. We're doing, you know, 4K. We're doing everything. We've got the well, best they, stuff. They, they were the first to have a tuner in their TV. Do you remember those ads where the oh big tuner was swimming around on the on the screen? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, LG Ultra High Definition TV. That's one of the things you'll see and hear about in 2012. Now, if you've read the book, you know Steve Jobs was planning a TV. Let's not kid ourselves. It's kind of common knowledge now. The question is, will it happen? And if so, when? And, you know, you and I, Stephen, pretty much agree that 2012 is the year of the Apple um, Smart TV, the Apple HD TV. Who knows what it'll be called? Yeah. Uh, it's probably the iTV, although the the licensing restrictions around that name in, in the UK are pretty massive, given there's a TV station <laughs> called iTV over there. But, they might just buy it. They've got enough money. Well, they've got... 82 billion or something why wouldn't they um they could buy a small country but uh, what we're expecting here is this we are expecting an apple television announcement and this means not just your little tiny 129 dollar box we're expecting a you know probably a 32 to 40 inch television um which will look 
Apple. You know, it will scream Absolutely. Apple in terms. Of, if you look at their <clears throat> cinema displays for the for the for the Mac, you know, it'll, it'll scream Apple. And and the most important thing about this, forgetting how big it is, forgetting what it looks like, is it will be easy to use because that's the thing that they've all not nailed yet. Is you turn it on, how do I get on the internet? How do yeah. I download an app? How do I do these things? That's what Apple will nail when they get to smart TV. Absolutely right. And you you look at though what what they've already got in place. Okay, they've got the content sorted with iTunes. Yep. They've got the connectivity and the technology sorted with Apple TV mm-hmm. and that whole thing. Mm-hmm. They can design a decent-looking product. <laughs> they can. They can market Sir, Sir, Sir Johnny Ive does a pretty good job of that. Well, there you go. That's right. He was just recently knighted. Exactly. So all of these pieces are in place. Now, this, the smart TV market is obviously something that Apple have had their eye on. Look, look at what they did with the phone, with the iPhone. Yep. They thought, well, we've got all this whiz-bang technology. Let's just change this industry, and they did. Now, there'd be a lot of nervous companies out there thinking, well, Apple have, have again, got the, the – that they could quite possibly turn this whole thing on its head and have own, their own smart TV. So it's yep. going to be make for a very interesting – I'll be very interested to see how the other companies respond to this. We're going to see some announcements at CES and, and their, whole, uh, their whole strategy around the whole smart TV sphere. You know, companies like Sony, Samsung mm-hmm. – LG to a degree as well have got quite a wide portfolio of products that can play nicely together already. So it's really interesting to see how they're going to respond to this. I think the only way they can respond is with regards to the user interface. That's what it's all about. That's what Apple will smash. Um, once they get the user interfa- interface nailed, uh, the content is the second thing, which also Apple are smashing. So very interesting times in 2012 for Apple and smart TV generally. Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. With Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Now, 2012, I'll make a big prediction here, is going to be the year of voice, the year Mm. of voice control. We've already seen it with Apple's iPhone 4S with Siri. Yep. Uh, you know, you can talk to the phone and interact with it uh, in, a, in a totally different way. We've also seen it with uh, Microsoft's Connect, where we've pr- discussed this on the program a number of times. You yep. can control your Xbox. You've done it yourself. I've done it. Love it. Uh, playing games, controlling uh, the console, simply by talking to it. Now, this isn't something that's going to be th- th- that's all, something that we used to see on Star Trek and all those sci-fi shows. I think this year is going to be the year where voice uh, is really going to come come forward, really come into, into its own. Uh, I think there's going to be, I think at CES, we're going to see a lot of companies to embra- uh, embracing this. I think we're going to see a lot of TVs with voice control and gesture control. Uh, so what do you think? I think it's going to be something that a lot of companies have probably considered for a long time, but I think they're going to pull the trigger in 2012. I, I think they will, but I think it's a massive fail. I just until it is absolutely bulletproof, and the Xbox is probably the closest I've seen yet of voice control working. But I still feel like I'm talking to the television like an idiot. You know, you still have to say news, please, or Xbox. What you know, it's still a little bit instructive. I don't know that there kind of needs to be just a button and then you talk to it. Um, even some like I was, I had to ring up something today and give a number, and I just said the number, and it kind of recognised it. I just think there's a long way to go yet, and I worry for companies unlike unlike the power of Apple and Microsoft I worry for other companies that come into it and really don't nail it because they will fail and, and people will can them and that bag them. That is a risk, them. absolutely right. Mm. But um, yeah, so I get it right and it, yeah. and it will work. But oh, um, absolutely right. I think you've you, you, you've got got it spot on there. I think you, you, it's something where you know you've only got a one chance to make a first impression with this kind of technology. If you, if you do stuff it up, then your customers uh, might turn away. But uh, I think Apple they have. The, 
we've got to remember they've, they've labelled Syria beta, so we're going to see a lot of improvements. It was pretty mm, good out yes. of the box, but we're going to see a lot of improvements. The Connect is only going to expand that ability. Yep. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of other companies eyeing off the, the Apple and Microsoft's progress for this and going to want to match it with their own. Let's hope that Christmas 2012 is the year we, uh, we can stand in front of our televisions or radios and say, <laughs> please listen to Two Blokes Talking Tech. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. With Two Blokes Talking Tech is also brought to you by our friends at Trend Micro. Now, online is a, can be a very dangerous place, but Trend Micro has a maximum security product that could be your all-in-one security solutions to protect all of your devices and all of your data. Only Trend Micro uses cloud technology to proactively stop any threats before they reach you. So don't worry if it, if it comes into your computer, it's too late. They can stop it before it hits your desktop. The latest version of Trend Micro's maximum security utilizes less than half the disk space and memory of a lot of other security products, so it won't slow your computer down. It won't be doing these updates right in the middle of an important task you're performing on your computer. Trend Micro maximum security is available now at Harvey Norman, JB Hi-Fi, Officework, Dick Smith, The Good Guys, Leading Edge Computers, and all other authorized resellers. And for more information, you can visit www.trendmicro.com.au. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. With Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Now, I think we've already established that not only am I the reader of, uh, of Between the Two of Us, I'm also the gamer of the <laughs> two of us as well, Trevor. And 2012 is going to see some interesting new gaming consoles. We, uh, we spoke recently about the PlayStation Vita. But I think a lo- another product that's going to really take people by surprise, and, and it's going to be quite a good product when it's released, probably late in the second half of this year, is the new Nintendo Wii. It's called mm. the Wii U. Now, it was, it was previewed late last year. And it's taking the Wii to the next step. It, it's no, no, It's obviously going to still continue to have the motion-sensitive controllers yep. and those fun games and all those franchises we've grown up with. But the Wii U is going to offer another another addition, a controller, which not only controls the game, but it, it's also got its own screen. So you can actually use the controller on its own or in conjunction with a game that's already playing on your TV. And that's the key here, isn't it? This is, this is a new controller for your existing style Wii, so it, it adds a second screen. Screen essentially to your to your Wii experience, or it becomes a portable console. Take it at the backyard and stand there with your That's friends right. and do what you know activities. I guess it's an interesting one because it is it's a it's like taking the you know DS, which has got a screen on, little thing you play with, to the extreme, and then also bringing the Wii with you. It's kind of very weird combination. It's going to be interesting to see what developers do with this. Now we know Nintendo's Nintendo's emphasis has always been on fun, mm. on, on on providing real enjoyment. Yep. When all the when Microsoft and PlayStation were talking about high definition and all this kind of stuff, Nintendo thought, no, we're going to stick with what we know, stick yep. to making things fun. They introduced the Wii amidst all of those other big high-def consoles, and they still had a huge success. Yeah. Now, the Wii U is probably aimed sort of towards, still has that flavour. I think an example I gave of one way that the controller could be used in conjunction with the larger screen is, is a golf game, for example. So what you do, you use the motion controller, 
you'd, you'd put the other controller on the floor. You'd actually see the ball on the screen of the controller. Yep. You'd hit the ball off that screen, and you'd see it fly down the fairway on your main TV. So mm. it's it's an example where the screens can all work together. But uh, I think that's exciting new uh, release to come later this year. And the PlayStation Vita will be released uh, late next month, February 23rd. It was sort of had lukewarm sales in Japan when it was released just before Christmas. I think, though, it's going to be an interesting one here. The pricing, $349.95 for the Wi-Fi only version, mm. maybe a little bit on the steep side, $450 for the 3G Wi-Fi version. You're almost into iPad yeah. pricing and tablet territory there. So the Vita, while it's got the PlayStation brand behind it, uh, it's going to be, uh, I'm going to be curious to see how the, the gamers take on this device when it's released. We shall wait and see, but uh, it's got some good reviews, but uh, we'll have to wait and see how it's, uh, how it sells because that's the key. You've got to sell stuff to, to make it work. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. With Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Now, mate, is it just me? But Windows 8 got a really nice wrap when it was first kind of uh, unveiled. You know, the nice new tiled interface, very, yeah. very ready for the tablet. But compare that to Windows 7. I can clearly remember, and now maybe I'm just, I was in a different world because I didn't have a Mac back then, but I can clearly remember Windows 7 having a lot of ongoing hype. I remember pre-release betas and alpha programs and all these different things. I remember having it for years before it was out and all these different things. I don't know, am I out of the loop here or is Windows 8 just bubbling along and just going to hit us at some point in 2012? I think there is a beta due for release in February, Trevor. Mm. But I think, uh, you know, and I agree, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, the, the different look of the, of the operating system and how it can be used across a number of devices. It's, it's touch uh, optimized as well for, for tablets and things like, and smartphones. But mm. I think we, uh, Microsoft have learned a pretty hard lesson when they overhype a product. Can I uh, just bring up Windows Vista, for example, <laughs> which was hyped out of, the, you know, into the atmosphere? Yeah. Uh, and really uh, was a disappointment. Uh, it, it, you know, they, they spent billions of dollars promoting that thing, and it was just a big, clunky letdown. Obviously, they picked up the ball again with Windows 7, but I think mm. they've learned their lesson. Overhype a, produ- a product and under-delivering, I think they're going to try reverse that and do something better with Windows 8. Look, it looks really exciting. Um, essentially, it's still Windows, but uh, there's just a new kind of home screen uh, layout which allows you to use a tiled interface. And if you've seen Windows Phone 7 or 7.5, you'll, you'll understand. Um, it's kind of about bringing everything to, to the fore and bringing it to the front of, of the page. Page. And it also worked very well on a touch screen, you know, like a HP, um, uh, one of those all-in-ones, or, of course, tablet-based and phone-based. Now, it's obviously not the exact same operating system across the phone as it is on the PC, but what they want is they want a, a single brand, they want a single look, and they want a single feel so that people can unify their, their world of Windows and have tablets, phones, and computers that all look and do the same things with some of the I'm interactive really, I'm files. looking forward to it. I think it's going to be, uh, oh, I was too. pleasantly surprised by Windows Phone 7 and Windows 7, and I think this is, uh, they're on track. Uh, each one is improving. I, th- I agree wholeheartedly. We look forward to Windows 8 and the developments and the rollout of that across 2012. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Now, mate, uh, we've, only, we've only got a, about a minute left, but I thought just quickly, we, sh- we might talk about Ultrabooks, which is something we're probably going to see at CES a fair bit. I think Intel are going to push very hard against the Ultrabook bandwagon, trying to show how, how many of these are, there are out there and the future of them. Do you see this as being a successful category Absolutely, in 2012? Absolutely, yes. Well, we've already seen it. I think you know, laptops are going to get thinner than supermodels in 2012. It's going to be you know, <laughs> DVD and optical drives are really sort of moving out of the laptop space. We've got USB ports and the ability to transfer information in other ways, wirelessly and, and all those other methods. 
markets. Uh, all the other companies are all, all falling in the line, led by Apple, of course, with the MacBook Air. We're going to see rumors of a 15-inch MacBook Air, which I'd be really excited mm. to see. But Acer, Asus, Sony, you name all the companies, they're all into it. Uh, Samsung, they're all producing the Ultrabooks. I think we're going to bump into lots of Ultrabooks at CES. All right. Well, we'll um, that's the big thing for us now is CES next week. We'll bring you all the information that we can gather around what's happening in 2012, including Ultrabooks, uh, whatever we see there, including smart TVs and all that kind of stuff. Um, Stephen, you're going uh, thanks to Samsung. I'm going thanks to Intel. Um, we will uh, produce more content than anyone in the history of the world, I think, next week. But certainly, <laughs> a big statement, it's a big Trevor. statement. But uh, techguide.com.au is the place to look on the web uh, for anything ha- coming out of CES. And if you've uh, got your iTunes hink- synced up and you want to want to listen to everything we've got to got to say, we'll try and bring you as many little podcasts as we can do. They might not be structured programs like this, but we'll just try and do a lot of little shows to try and bring you the latest and greatest from CES. Two blokes talking CES. We're in Las Vegas next week. Two blokes talking tech. Trevor Long from Your Tech Life and Stephen Fennick from techguide.com.au. Mate, I shall see you over there. Yes, you will. Safe travels, mate.